From the MGMA in-home studios, welcome to the Insights Podcast. I'm Daniel Williams. And if we can share bite-sized pieces of practical advice and real tools that people can try, they will appreciate that. That's Lauren K. Harris, FACMPE, and owner of Harris Healthcare Consulting, talking about practical tools to help medical practices develop better leaders. We're gonna hear more from Lauren in just a moment, but first, a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by MGMA Events. During our premier spring event, 2023 MPE Financial and Operations Conference, Attendees will gain key insights from both disciplines and learn about topics that shape the future success of medical practice organizations. Whether you plan to dive into finance or operations subject matter, we have you covered on both topics. That's because the Medical Practice Excellence Conference will feature two topics in one location. So join us March 19th through the 21st in sunny Orlando, Florida, Go to mgma.com slash events to learn more and to register today. Our guest today is Lauren K. Harris, FACMPE and owner of Harris Healthcare Consulting. Lauren is featured as part of our MGMA Member Spotlight podcast series and is a living testament to the benefits of certification continuing education, and lifelong learning. Lauren, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Daniel. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah. So you are an MGMA member. Um, you actually raised your hand. You you uh, <laughs> volunteered to be on the MGMA podcast. And so we really appreciate that. That's something in 2023, we've made a real commitment. We want to We've created a, a show within the MGMA podcast channel of member spotlight. And so we're communicating and talking with different um, members at different stages of their careers. And they're in different um, environments as far as where they work, that sort of thing. So you were telling us offline that you're the owner of Harris Healthcare Consulting. So talk about the firm. What do you do there and what's your focus? Sure. So my goal is really to help practices identify and achieve their goals. And I offer practice assessment, strategic planning, healthcare leadership, development and training, credentialing, contracting, and assisting providers with startups, wind downs, and everything in between. My vision for starting this uh, business was that I saw there were a lot of small to mid-sized practices who just need a little bit of extra help. Their administrator is completely maxed out. They need um, some consulting expertise, but maybe not as much as some of the larger firms offer. And I wanted to be that resource for those groups and those administrators. Okay. Well, thanks for sharing that with us. Um, and then just give us a little bit of insight about your healthcare career. What Before you started this firm, what kind of work were you involved in? Sure. Well, I'll kind of go all the way back to the beginning just to give you a little bit of insight. Um, so I went to college as a vocal jazz performance major, which has absolutely nothing to awesome. do with what I do now. 
But um, it really gave me a, a chance to think about teaching and performing and other things that I think are transferable skills to what I do now. But I fell into healthcare because I had experience in the retail world. And so my first healthcare job was as an optician and optometry clinic manager. So I learned about the combination of retail sales and healthcare early on. And from there became a medical office biller, eventually an ambulatory surgery center business office manager, and kind of worked my way up through the industry to being a clinic manager. And so that led me to experiences at some larger health systems that we have out here. But my dream was really to run a private practice. And I knew that in order to get the skill set that I needed or to validate the skill set that I would need to run a, my, a private practice, um, pursuing my certification became a goal of mine. So that was one of the things that really led me to MGMA was the pathway to certification. Okay. We're going to talk about certification in just a moment, but if you've listened to this podcast before, you you can't say you were a studied vocal jazz and think I'm going to leave that alone. So are we talking Billie Holiday, Nora Jones, Louis Armstrong? What, what? All the things. Who's your icon? Who are, who's... Oh gosh, I have so many. So I was just lucky in high school to be exposed to vocal jazz. There were a couple of community colleges. This is late 80s, mind you. So mm -hmm. it was a bigger part of the musical scene than it is now. But there were a couple of community colleges that had these amazing performing vocal jazz groups that would go around the country and do recordings and really keep that genre alive. And so I went to a school that really focused on that and decided that as much fun as it was, I was getting into a lot of debt didn't want to teach, um, which was kind of the pathway that a lot of folks were going down and um, kind of left that career behind. But to answer your question about who I listen to a lot of, I would say uh, somebody you may or may not have heard of, Shirley Horn, is yeah. a real icon that I adore. Um, I, I was listening to some classic Tony Bennett the other day. Mm -hmm. um, the New York Voices were a huge influence on me in the late 80s, early 90s. Um, so lots of different things. Now I just sort of put my Apple music on shuffle and see what pops up. That is so cool. I, I just, did you, <laughs> when you were in the practice setting, did you ever do a little shooby-doo, a little <laughs> bebop, no, anything? I, I have never really transferred that over. Um, <laughs> I think something else that's interesting about me that I use in my two truths and a lie is that I did a voiceover for a video game once. Wow. And so I think that's kind of fun to share too, but again, not a skill that I've really taken. That one, actually, I will say, I have been asked multiple times to be the voice of telephone system recordings. Um, so occasionally you might call a medical practice and hear me as the voice on the recording, but that's really the only way that that skill has transferred over. And that came about because of my jazz performing experience and having a connection to that recording world. Now people make these recordings on their iPhones, in their mm -hmm. master bedroom closet, whatever. Um, at the time, it was, you know, a pretty unique thing to be doing. I mean, that's the cool thing about this. We're, you know, really spotlighting the MGMA members. We want to know y'all's stories. We know the um, kind of challenges, pain points, all of that that you have um, in the work setting. But it's so interesting to just, I didn't know you did jazz vocal so it's you know you kind of learn this stuff and getting to talk to you and that's so cool and i wrote down all those names you just said so i'm going to put my uh ipod on uh shuffle as well and listen Great. to some good jazz later today so that's so cool 
happy to influence you a bit. Um, absolutely. So, <laughs> um, well, let's get back to your continuing ed, because I think that's something that's so important um, to healthcare leaders, people looking to, you know, gain that edge. I want to talk about that a little bit more. So I want to look at what I learned about you, that you earned your ACMPE certification in 08, and then you became a fellow in 2013. Talk about that experience. What led you to it? Because when we talk to healthcare leaders, we hear time and again that they're just, you know, you can't, nobody listening can see me, but their stress level is up to their cranium yes. there. And uh, bandwidth is always a problem. So what was the decision for you that you would find time? And how did you find time? Just walk us through that decision. Sure. Um, I think for me, it, it became a priority because, as I mentioned, with my early start in my college career, I had racked up some student loans and I was getting older. And got my bachelor's degree with a significant amount of student loan debt. So I didn't see a pathway to a master's degree at that time, or maybe even ever. And so I thought, well, how can I really validate my commitment and my experience and my knowledge in this industry in another pathway? And that became focusing on certification first and then fellowship second. So I wear that as a badge of honor because I don't have an MBA or MHA or some of those other degrees that folks have, but I feel like it really shows my narrow expertise and focus in the industry that I'm really passionate about. So it became a priority. So what I would do is um, I joined some local study groups. We had a group of us who went through certification together who could support one another. And it just naturally happened that each of the members were in different roles in their organizations. And so they brought different um, different expertise to the, to the meetings that we would talk about. And I remember when I took my test sort of channeling one of the members of the study group and thinking, what would she do if this question were posed to her? And I was able to understand more about how other experiences um, could, you know, could help my own education. So I learned a lot from others. And I think what I learned in that experience was that it was really important to give back and to continue to offer those opportunities to people. So over the years, I've been a forum rep for the Washington State MGMA. I now serve as the committee chair in the Oregon MGMA. And I'm very passionate about providing the resources and support others need to get that certification. Um, I truly believe in it. I think it made a huge difference in my career. And I think it can make that same difference for other people. Mm hmm you've already stole my next question. And that's in addition to certifications, um, one of the other ways to really grow as a healthcare leader, grow in a career is to find mentors, to find peers, to find networking opportunities. So I wanted you to talk about that part as well. You've already told us a little bit, but give us more insight, maybe a particular instance where it helped you get a new job or it helped you uh, get a promotion, anything else you want to share with us there? Sure. When I look at my own career, I don't think of any one particular person who was that for me. I think of a community. I think of a lot of different senior seasoned practice administrators from this area who supported us all as a community by having regular check-ins, regular meetings, um, I remember the people who proofread my fellowship papers, for instance, and, and offered that as a resource to me. So what I want to do is offer that to others when they're ready to accept it. 
And I think you said something important, which is the yes, people have it up to their top of their head with stress and so many other competing priorities. My goal is really to be a cheerleader for them and to give them that accountability when they're ready for it, to say, when when did you last study for this? When is your test taking date? To gently nudge people along in the process and be that one person who helps them across the finish line. That is awesome. All right. Well, good. Um, now, next question. You and I were talking offline about uh, books. I wanted to talk specifically about books for you. If there were particular books or resources or anything that helped shape you as a healthcare leader. Yeah. So as I mentioned, I do a lot of leadership development and coaching work now. And the one that I keep kind of bringing up over and over again is a book by Shari Harley called How to Say Anything to Anyone. And when I was looking at this in preparation for our talk today, I realized it was published in 2013. To me, it feels very recent, but I think that's because it's so incredibly relevant. She has really strong ideas around creating a candid culture and being clear in our communication. Um, and those, those guidelines are timeless and helpful for leaders that are experienced or inexperienced. And she also has these wonderful tools called candor questions. I have them over my shoulder here, actually. Um, and they are like flashcards that help us connect with people that we might potentially hire or those on our team. And they help us do that expectation setting up front. So I'm a big fan of that. And I was going to mention also, I, I was exposed to her originally at an MGMA Council of State Leaders event where she was on a speaker showcase. So that's how I found Shari. That is so cool. Um, well, thanks for sharing that. I wrote that name down. We will provide a link in the episode show notes for anyone that's interested in learning more about that book. Um, now, we're both wearing our nerd badges today. Um, earlier, I confessed to being a book nerd. I'm also a movie nerd. You are a self-described leadership nerd. I've never yes. heard leadership <laughs> and nerd like bunched really? together like that. So what does that mean? And uh, how do you convey that kind of uh, interest and enthusiasm to medical practice leaders? Yeah. So for me, it comes up as the only thing I love more than learning is teaching. And so when I think of what it means for me to be a leadership nerd, it means that I'm always reading, utilizing, and sharing lots of resources from lots of different places. Um, I think, as you said, healthcare leaders are extremely busy. And if we can share bite-sized pieces of practical advice and real tools that people can try, they will appreciate that. And that's something that I strive to do. So I look for filter, share lots of ideas from leaders throughout multiple industries. And I work with the teams that I um, coach to implement some of these things and try some of these things that we're hearing about. So when I say leadership nerd, it means that I, I absorb what I can. I'm very enthusiastic about sharing it back. Okay. I know one of the ways you do that is through talks, through presentations. What are some of the topic areas when you're meeting with uh, practice leaders that they gravitate to the most or they want to know even more about? Yeah, I think right now a lot of folks are, are thinking about leveling their own skills up in the leadership world. So 
The types of leadership skills we need now have changed. We are now leading hybrid teams. We are leading teams of people who don't have the same level of healthcare experience that we used to have oftentimes because we are opening our doors to recruiting people from other industries. Um, so I think some of some of the folks I'm working with are looking for ways to find um, grounding themselves, first of all, in their own boundaries, experience, um, self-care, all of those things, and then being able to develop others more effectively. So the course that I'm that I'm working on right now with the team is to teach people, as I said, how to ground themselves effectively first, you know, that whole adage of putting on your oxygen mask first. Yeah. And then growing others within our practices. I am afraid as I look out on my group of peers who have been doing this a very long time, that when they leave, we are not going to have a group of prepared individuals to step into their shoes. And so one of the things that I'm really focusing on is helping those folks prepare, helping them be more ready than we were and have more tools than we had to lead these practices effectively. That is awesome. Okay. Well, thanks for sharing that part. Now, <laughs> we've already talked about your uh, jazz vocal skills and background, but when I was researching you, you I found out something about you that just spoke very uh, deep to my heart. I've got two uh, chihuahuas uh, sleeping right beside me, and you do work when you're not working with medical practices in the... Uh, animal kingdom. I don't know really how to describe <laughs> it, but you do some work with our furry friends. Tell us about that and how you've incorporated that into your work-life balance. Yeah. So I am a co-founder, but really just the supporting member to my spouse who's created this incredible ministry called Assembly of the Wandering Shepherd. And her vision is around supporting handlers and love animal lovers through the grief process, frequently the training process of their dogs. It's a very unique style of dog training that she does. My role is very supportive. They actually, we share a space. So her space is right outside my door here. I am the bookkeeper. Um, I am sort of the COO to her CEO-ness. She comes up with fantastic ideas and I help implement them. But that all comes back to the fact that I am an animal lover. Um, I call myself a cat person who happens to have a dog that I'm in love with as well. Um, <laughs> so two cats, one dog right now, formerly three chickens and some tropical fish. So animals definitely part of my world. As I think about that work-life balance question and, and how that relates to the work that we do, it Shotzi, our dog, a 12-year-old German shepherd, worked with Robin, my spouse, as a therapy team. And I got to be supportive of that. So that means I went into the hospital with them, basically was the one to help encourage caregivers to come and meet them and receive therapy from that team. And even though I wasn't the one that was primarily give, giving that care or that experience, I was extremely influenced by it and think it's incredible work and want to support it however I can. And I was lucky that we had this connection with the clinics that I work in and the hospital system that I work in to be able to provide this, um, this incredible gift of animal therapy, specifically to the caregivers that I worked with and um, that I was influenced by at the hospital level. So that's my connection. And of course, I love taking my German Shepherd out to walk in the woods. We're very, very lucky. We live close to the beautiful Columbia Gorge where there's incredible views, incredible trails. 
Um, it's a 15 minute drive to be just out in the middle of nowhere. And that's a fantastic experience for her and for us as humans. That is a wonderful story. So let's see, we, let's look at a final thought here then. Um, what are some final words of advice then? We've shared a lot about your leadership style and your work-life balance. What else can you share with our listeners that can help them grow as healthcare leaders? Yeah, I think that they need to prioritize their own professional development and learn to advocate for themselves. And this is a skill that really takes honing. So I was just talking with a group of practice administrator friends, and they all agreed that their providers don't really seem to understand what they do and the value that they provide. And I think some of that responsibility falling on us to share that. And we need to learn to become comfortable with regularly sharing our priorities, our challenges, and our successes with our leaders. And we need to get better at teaching others how to do that. So one of the things I implemented last year is the concept of a meatless Monday, and it's M-E-E-T, meaning I don't schedule any meetings. Um, I have dedicated time for my own professional development and focused project work on Mondays. And just blocking that on the calendar, which can be a little scary when you're self-employed to say, I don't do meetings on Mondays, it, it has paid back in dividends. It has allowed me to grow my own development to maintain focus on that, to maintain it as a priority and to have that focus project time. So even if your organization or you personally can't have a meatless Monday, find another day or a time that you can and make a date with yourself. You are as much of a priority as any of your direct reports are to you. So put yourself on the calendar and honor that. That would be my advice. All right. Well, I love that advice, Lauren. And also that book, How to Say Anything to Anyone, I think that would be helpful to empower them to speak up. We're, again, going to put a, a link to that as well in the episode show notes. Lauren, it's been pretty cool getting to know you. And you I feel too. like I'm, we're old buddies now. I don't know. This is great. So thanks Fantastic. so much. Yeah. Thanks for joining us. And we'll have you back on the show again sometime and uh, maybe have you sing a little bit. Thank you so much for the time. It was really great to get to know you today. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Member Spotlight. Thanks to our guest, Lauren K. Harris, FACMPE and owner of Harris Healthcare Consulting. Lauren is featured as part of our MGMA Member Spotlight podcast series. If you want to be featured in the spotlight, send us an email at podcast at mgma.com. We also want to thank MGMA Events for sponsoring this week's show. During our premier spring event, 2023 MPE Financial and Operations Conference, attendees will gain key insights from both disciplines and learn about topics that shape the future success of medical practice organizations. So join us March 19th through the 21st in Orlando, Florida. You can go to mgma.com events to learn more and to register today. If you like the show, please rate and review it wherever you get your podcast. And to access all of our podcasts, go to mgma.com listen. If you want to add to the conversation or suggest other experts for us to interview, 
you can email us at podcast at mgma.com. Or you can find me on Twitter at MGMA Daniel. Stay safe and thanks for listening. Hi, this is Declan McGee, one of the producers for the MGMA Insights Podcast. If you like the work we're doing, please consider becoming an MGMA member. Learn more at mgma.com slash membership. Thanks.